Hello and welcome to Unsourced Wall. My name is Elvis and as always, I am your host. Okay, so this is going to be kind of a long one. Not only do we have a packed week of reviews, but also the premiere of The Boys. All the episodes of season one dropped. I watched a couple, but I still have enough to make a full review, as it were. So let's just get on right into it. First off, we have movie news. Only one really interesting thing this time, which is of course the whole new slate of MCU movie announcements. None of them sound that entertaining at all, except for maybe Shang Chi and even then just barely mainly because they could possibly do something cool with it perhaps I had the same hopes for Eternals but then we got concept art and rather than going for anything actually Kirby-esque it looks like generic alien mech bullshit which is disappointing because even the Celestials that we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy looked a whole lot fucking better and even Thor Ragnarok which I do not call Kirby-esque at all had the courtesy to stick wallpaper up that had Kirby lines on it so they have really no excuse for being that dull and uninspired. Some are excited for Doctor Strange 2 because it's going to be a horror movie but it's being made by the same people who made one of the worst MCU movies ever done so I have no hopes. The rest I struggle to even remember. So yeah fingers crossed for Shang-Chi. It might be able to pull out something fun. I hope so. Moving on to TV news we have one exciting one which is that we have the full confirmation that Doom Patrol has been renewed for a second season. It was pretty much saved by HBO and will be simulcast on both HBO's streaming service and DC Universe. So I guess that rumor about Swamp Thing being tapped for a possible double block for HBO in order to save that did have some grounding. And it also confirms that DC Universe won't be grandfathered in, which is strange and I hope that DC Universe doesn't continue to struggle. In any case, I'm excited, it's great news, and I hope they take this chance at another season which was very much on the brink of collapse to go full on brotherhood, give us Monsieur Mala, give us the brain, just go for it. I can't wait to see what they pull out. So yeah, fingers crossed. I'm excited. And before I forget, apparently Robert Redford is going to be playing President Robert Redford in the Watchmen HBO series. Coming out of retirement after his last film, which is supposed to be his last acting job, that is pretty funny. And I don't think it's going to be a lengthy role. I think that they've mentioned that they're going to talk about the consequences of having a president like Nixon, but on the reverse flip side for as many decades as Nixon was in office in the universe of Watchmen. So I'm excited. Fingers crossed for that. I still think that Watchmen, the show, looks like it's going to be a ridiculously silly time, and I can't wait. Now heading on to comic news, let's just get the bad news out of the way. Tom King has announced his new project, an Adam Strange maxi-series. The first promo image is a cover, which is a poster of Adam being marked with graffiti, calling him a war criminal, a liar, and a hypocrite. Oh wow, can't wait for King to bring up some interesting, dramatic ideas, and then drop the ball entirely and only play with them in the most superficial and aggressively underthought ways. I mean, just fuck this guy, seriously. He can only write one story. He's written it five times in a row, and it's only worked once. So I am so sorry for Adam Strange fans because they're going to be stuck with this bullshit. Best of luck to you. Next up, we have that it appears the sequel miniseries to Mark Millar and Sean Murphy's miniseries Chrononauts, titled Chrononauts Future Shock, has been announced and that all the issues, all four issues, will be released on the same day in October. Murphy won't be doing the art, and I wonder if that's the reason he's just dropping it like this because Murphy's art was pretty much one of the bigger draws of that miniseries, and possibly he's just trying to get a gimmick going. All the solicits have come out, and the miniseries just doesn't sound that interesting. I was really disappointed with the first mini, and I have little hope for this one because I just don't care about the story or the characters that much. And it seems like they're just going to be making the same mistakes of the previous one. So fingers crossed anyway, but I'm just waiting for the other sequels he's promised over the past decade or so to even show up. 
Moving ahead, we have another solicit that caught my eye, which was the new solicit to the Wildcats miniseries that Warren Ellis is doing of Ramon Villalobos, and it sounds terrible. It's apparently bringing in more DCU bullshit like boom tubes and mother boxes, and while I trust Ellis more than Brian Hill, this is the kind of shit that made the Michael Cray Deathflow Maxis series he worked on so unreadable because what's the point of even rebooting this universe if you're not even going to play around with its concepts and just focus on other ridiculous shit that has no purpose being there. The Wildster universe has a lot of shit going on and they just seem to be throwing it by the wayside for DCU aspects that they could have done within the confines of the merging that happened after Flashpoint. So it seems like going a couple of steps backwards and that's a shame. It really is. My excitement for this mini pretty much dropped by half with this solicit. So hopefully it turns out for the best. I really do hope so. And lastly, apparently DC has announced a set of absolute editions for Jack Kirby's Fourfold Saga. I already own the original four volume omnibus set and the complete omnibus from the 100th anniversary of his birth. But yeah, I'm fucking getting this one for sure. I mean, what's the point of not getting it? Absolute editions can be really beautiful and I hope they go all out for this one. So fingers crossed for that. Now we can move ahead into what I read this week. First off, we have Marvel's Epilogue. This was absolutely fascinating to have come out, kind of out of nowhere, and in time for the 25th anniversary of the original story as well. As an epilogue, it's pretty interesting, and it's really brief as well, which is fitting and kind of nice to have when you place it alongside the original's prologue, which is a similarly short affair of about 12 pages. So it has that bookending quality that I think handily caps off the structure of the story right off the bat. As for capturing the feeling of that story, yes and no. Just to get it out of the way, rereading Busick and Ross's Marvels alongside this new epilogue one-shot makes it astoundingly clear how Ross's art and talents have only gotten better with age. It's a short edition, but each page shines with the warmth and heart of the original story without skipping a beat. You feel entrenched in the same fear, apprehension, and awe that both Phil and his daughters share when confronted with this amazing, incredible world they live in. It hits that same sense of wonder that the original story so impressively got across to the reader. But I do feel like this becomes somewhat jarring when taken alongside the original ending of that story. A story that ended with a slightly cynical, wry, and self-aware beat of how distant Phil has become from the chaos of the larger Marvel Universe. It's definitely a bit more of a downcast punchline, but it hits hard. This feels much more revering and awestruck about the Marvel U, very much like the early issues of Marvels. I feel like you could explain some of it by Phil becoming reignited by his own children's love of the world, but taken as a whole, it can feel a bit whiplashing. But overall, it's pretty amazing. I loved it. It brought me right back to when I first read this story and became came enraptured with the idea of a living, breathing superhero universe, which is nice to remember from that time. And honestly, this strikes such a brilliant chord between nostalgic and actually being reflective about what that means and how far people have come. So honestly, for about 12 to 15 pages, it knocks it out of the park. And I can't wait for this entire new storyline to be collected alongside the original in some fashion, because I'll get it. It's well worth it. Two thumbs up. Next up, we have Dial H for Hero number 5, and we reached what would have been the penultimate issue of this series had it stayed a 6 issue mini. And it goes all out. I am just continuously taken aback and surprised by how much effort and creativity Humphreys and Quinones have been pumping into this series issue after issue. It's exhilarating. What was even nominally an issue that didn't really explain a lot about the conflict, it did it with such verve and enthusiasm, and was able to balance that out with some intensely, harshly, 
and pulse-poundingly deafy and heartbreaking sequences as well. It's a fantastic series. I've said that time and time again, but it really is, and it bears repeating. I am really taken with how fun, inventive, and humorous it can be, but never letting go of the really heart-wrenching, dramatic undercurrents that make you feel for these characters and elevate this road trip story to nowhere. Because it does. It's something that I hope becomes a classic, because it deserves it. Miguel is amazing, Summer is amazing, and the world and vision that Humphreys and Quinones have concocted for the dial, and the DCU's place within it has become instantly unforgettable. I hope the final issue of this season sticks the landing because bring on the immediacy of season 2. I can't wait for more of this. It's the best Wonder Comics book bar none. Everything else pales in comparison to this and it is just a fun, wild, and just the most uplifting if sometimes very very grounded and very very entrenched read. So it does it all and I love it. I can't recommend it enough. Two thumbs up. Lastly, we have Martian Manhunter number 7, and this issue starts the second half of the series with a bang. I can't lie about that. It's also maybe the most tonally jarring and distinct issue in the entire lot so far. Even the last issue, while more overtly emotional, still had some very great clenched grounding. This, this just sails right over that. It leaps straight across into kinda silly. It's great silliness, for sure, but it's like a buddy cop action movie from pretty much the entire issue. I wonder how it's gonna read in one go right after the fall of Mars and the gut-wrenching scenes that went into that, I think at best it might be a welcome reprieve and relief after that. I can only hope. Like I said, it's still pretty good and with all of the cards on the table, the dynamic between Diane and John is bouncing off the walls. It's pretty damn entertaining and it makes me disappointed with how this is said in the past because now I'm mulling over a desire to see a sequel miniseries or maxi series come to fruition because I need more of these too. The rest is actually pretty gruesome exposition with Charn and the entire plan for serial killing, which is kind of the right amount of horrifying fun. It's a pretty great plan while oozing with terrifying consequences, and I can't wait for more. Hope the series finds a good balance in the next few issues because it's trying to get more tones in the mix and I don't want to see it get bogged down by that because it's still too good to quit right now. So one thumb up, one thumb middle. Now we can head on into what I watched this week. First up, we have Legion Season 3, Episode 5, heading into the second half of this final season and it just dives right into the deep end. It's taking advantage of what seems to be a final three-episode stretch that puts the time travel plot right up against the window by pretty much cutting off every single character and plot thread in one go, much like you do in situations like this. Since it has time travel, you bet they took off all the breaks and seeing where and how everything comes crumbling down before any attempt to fix it occurs. So in since this is pretty much a style over substance episode, which is fine because if there's anything the series does well, it's style. But it is a noticeable downturn from the previous two episodes, which have been powerhouses and heavyweights of just throwing the viewer at the story, the drama, and the characters. This is just a little less interesting. It's very patchy, but those patches are pretty damn great on their own. Each character just completely getting screwed over or being placed in some horrible fate. And that is actually strikingly scary to see. Most of it is framed very much like a scary movie, and it works. It just feels lacking in the engagement, but we are led to believe that this is all set up and I hope that next week builds up more of what they will pay off because episodes like this one will be ruined without an adequate landing and so it needs that more than anything. One thumb up, one thumb middle. Next up we have Krypton Season 2 Episode 6 Zods and Monsters. This was just a really fun episode. It's not the show at its best. 
In fact, there are some noticeable moments when it strains really hard, but it has a few beats here and there where the show is at its best in solitary. So it evens out. The episode is again split into disparate plot threads, one following Adam and Kem on a wacky adventure, another with Zod trying to get a leash on Doomsday and learning about his creation, and the last being about Seg and Nyssa performing some wacky surgery. Not all the plots created equal, and if anything, the Doomsday origin flashbacks and Seg and Nyssa's character beats are the highlight here. You not only get some pretty hard-hitting and depthy stuff with Doomsday, but also just some outrageous and hilarious drama between Seg and Nyssa. I mean, stuff like how he gives her a believe-in-yourself pep talk in reference to her trying to amp herself up to perform invasive brain surgery on him. It's kind of amazing. I can't really bag on it too much for stuff like that because it's those things that add to the charm of the show. And the relationship between Seg and Nyssa has always been more interesting than any other pairing in the series because there was always places for them to grow together and it culminates in a nice way with this episode since we finally get to Jor-El. It's done in an incredibly overbearing and heavy-handed fashion but fuck it the show has earned it. While I might recoil a bit with how they play the John Williams Superman theme in a very overt fashion it's a great beat to have and I think that the actors sell it for all the cheesy corny heartwarming schmaltz it's trying to evoke so I like it. On the other side the way the episode draws parallels from Doomsday's origins to Zod's own goals was swiftly done and the show sets up a final set of episodes with some aplomb and honestly some incredibly incredibly despairing imagery that I can't wait to see where that goes off. Overall it's a pretty decent if uneven episode and I think that if anything else it does set up a great amount of things that they can start to pay off as they head on into the finale. If the show can't do that, then not only hasn't it learned from the mistakes of season one, it also hasn't learned from what made season one pretty damn good by the end of it. So I hope it does continue with suit. I hope it does have an incline and I hope the finale episodes really do leave an impression. So, you know, fingers crossed. Overall, one thumb up, one thumb middle. Lastly, we have Swamp Thing Episode 9, The Anatomy Lesson, which is pitch perfect. Everything that makes this show great, engaging, suspenseful, unique, and just awe-inspiring is on display here. Goddamn, what were they thinking when they cancelled this? How can you take something this good and just disregard it like that? Of course, the main attraction of this episode is Swampy being dissected, and they waste no expense with that. They really don't. I don't think I've praised the production value of this show in such a specific way since the early episodes, but it's truly amazing. They make a full-on prop body of Swampy and just have the Floronic Man go to town with it. Lungs, heart, kidneys, all get thrown about. It's as fun as it is just stomach churning. But what makes the entire endeavor is that it's also just Derek Mears face acting his ass off for the entire duration. And he's amazing. He's one of the best creature slash suit actors in the business. We get some really hard-hitting reveals such as Swampy's true nature and he sells it. He sells it good. People have bemoaned, understandably, the lack of Swamp Thing sometimes in this show, but I think he's perfectly done in the moments he gets like this. The rest of the episode is just a montage of great character beats from Abby's determined investigation and more douchely cryptic Phantom Stranger, and even a pretty damn fun finagling moment for Avery Sunderland. Though the last one could be better if he was a better character, it's whatever. I still enjoyed it very much. It's just a really well done episode and a good argument for why this series should have been saved. Sure, there are some goofy things like, I'm pretty damn sure Blue Devil looks completely different than he did in the trailer. Like, he's full-on CGI monster in this. Well, in the trailer, I think he looked a little bit more, like, 
an actual creature that lived in a physical world. I wonder if that was a casualty of them trying to patch up these last three episodes into finale episodes. That's my guess here. I kind of think that's where they want to go. It doesn't look that great, but it's interesting to actually see that come to fruition. It's good to have that plot thread actually have some payoff and some other few things that went beyond the pale for a bit. But overall, I can't wait for the finale. As sad as it will be to lose this show because a lot of it is just so well done it's so enthusiastic it's so passionate about itself and it's a shame because they had something here they had titans which was really great in some parts but also just a complete mess and they have this which i really feel and i will state was a good successor to doom patrol i think that they're both just really great shows that understand and want to play around with a lot of the key elements here and we get that in this episode we get that up to the final seconds of this episode and it just never lets up it's it's been such a great ride and i can't wait for the finale. I really can't. Swamp Thing will be missed. He really will be. Two thumbs up. Oh, and for a quick shot, I saw the first three episodes of Seth Rogen's The Boys on Amazon Prime, and a reliable source told me what happens in the rest of the season. First off, those three episodes are just insanely dull. Visually, aesthetically, it's just boring, it's lifeless, washed out, and unengaging. For the most part, I was gonna give it a little props for being less nonsensical bullshit than his adaptation of Preacher, but nope, apparently shit goes off the rails in a big way. Ruining or rendering useless pretty much the entire backbone of this series in terms of emotional impact and drama. No spoilers, but the entire last chunk of the series is pretty much made pointless. And I have to say, wow, what is the point or goal in Rogan adapting these comics if he's just gonna keep doing shit like this to them? It just sounds like the biggest little crap and I was already dropping it anyway. I have to get the three episodes I saw 5 out of 10. They weren't bad, I just thought they were kind of dull and it seemed like they were headed in a strong direction for a series if they wanted multiple seasons. But if the spoilers I was given are of the same quality without any actual uptick then that would have to drop to a 3 out of 10. Hopefully Rogan never gets his hands on Hitman. One thumb down, one thumb middle. And we have no listener questions this week. As always, I just want to say thank you to everyone out there who's ever sent in questions, comments, or topics to the show. It means so much to me. It's great. I'm always so excited and humbled and, and I just appreciate it so much. It, it means the world. So thank you so much. If anyone out there has their own questions, topics, or comments they want to hear discussed on the show, you can always reach me on Twitter at T-H-E underscore S-N-I-C-K-M-A-N. I also want to give a shout out to the cover artists for the show at D-O-T-E-M-C-E-E. Go check them out. They're amazing. They really deserve it. And well, that's pretty much it. As always, I hope you had a great time listening. Thank you so much and hope you have a great week. See you then.